It's the Forest Park Podcast. New York City is underwater, and my family's really struggling because I think Dame is at Pfizer Forum right now introducing himself to the Bucks community. I'll just let's just jump right into the trade because it's yeah. here and I need to stop talking about how we got here and just not, and move forward. It's rare that you see like two really good players uh go anywhere in a deal. Like yeah. we haven't we didn't see that for the the Paul George trade, the Kevin Durant trade, like all of these deals um you know, you get one great player like McCall um, who got way better when he got to Brooklyn. But just, like, it's weird seeing your team bring in, like, two all-star level talents in one deal. Max, how are you? I'm good. I know uh, our audience has been waiting with bated breath to to hear Drew's reaction to the damn trade. He's had a few nights to sit on it now. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of like you. I feel like this package that Portland got is a lot better than – anything that was floated out there from Miami. I know there's been some discourse online of how like it's not, it probably depends on how you view Aiton. I'm probably in the middle of the pack on him, but two years ago, I thought he was a borderline top five center in the league. Like probably the center I would want the most after, you know, the, the obvious top three. And then some other guys have come into that discussion, but he's got the upside to get back to that. And then drew, whether they hang on to him or not, we'll get to some fake drew trades later, but yeah. he's going to fetch them another two first round picks plus uh, an asset potentially that will make this package look very good going forward. And I think Aiden can be a really good piece for them. Uh, you know, it's, it's sad when an era like this comes to an end, but at the same time, they weren't going anywhere with him and, They've got their player of the future in Scoot Henderson, and they really just have to try to maximize his sort of growing environment as much as possible. So, yeah, I really like I like this trade for Portland. I wouldn't say really like, but I liked it for Portland. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the Dame fit in Milwaukee. I think that's as close to an ideal fit as you can get. I want to talk about the Blazers' perspective last. Uh, let's get to what, like, our, our core viewer <laughs> audience member wants most, which is, like, the, bu- uh, the Bucks' outlook. I think this is awesome for the Bucks. Obviously, Drew had that looming player option after this coming season. Uh, regardless, if Drew and Dame had the same number of years left on their contract, I think that like it's become cool to to be so high on Drew Holiday to the point that like we forget that there is a significant gap between him and Damian Lillard. Like. The basketball nerd in me does think they're they're closer than a casual fan wants to believe, Dame and Drew. But that the incremental jumps, you know, from from really good role player to all-star to superstar, like each each of those jumps is more you pay more and more of a premium uh to, to get that leap in in player value. And I think Dame is one crucial tier above drew and yeah and and we've already heard all the buzz about the Giannis and dame pick and roll i think that that is huge like if brooke lopez is the guy he was last year like there's no better there's no team more equipped to protect dame on defense and it's rare that a team makes an all-in move like this, and it kind of feels like they've bought themselves time because the Giannis tension was starting to build. And I I think, on the one hand, Giannis is just a really real guy who said exactly what anyone in his position would be thinking about 
his position on the Milwaukee Bucks and the last di- couple disappointing years since the title. But it's also really heavy shit to say. And like, I, I, I respect the boldness that they got ahead of this thing and said, this is the right deal to make now. This makes us more likely to win a title now. And it doesn't feel like they gave up much to get Damian Lillard. Yeah. Drew, Drew Holiday has been inefficient in big games for them in the playoffs. And they are going to miss having one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. But Dame is a step up from Drew. And like Grayson Allen, he's not an, a real needle mover. Yeah. Like he's he's been played out of crucial series. Um and yeah, he's a, he's a good shooter and he's replaceable. So like you swap you swap Drew Holiday, who might have left next year, for Damian Lillard, and they're my favorite team in the East. Some stats on Drew Holiday in the playoffs. This is the last three years. So even the year they won the title, his true shooting percentage has been under 50%. Yeah. In the playoffs each of the last three years. For reference, you'd like that to be above 60. So the fact that he's in the 40s, that's like really inefficient play in each of the last three postseasons on the offensive end. And sure, that is in large part because he shoulders such a big defensive burden. Uh, and just raw field goal percentage, he's around 40, 38%, 40 the last few years. You would just see a lot of these games where he'd shoot like three for 14. I think he had like a three for 21 game sprinkled in there at one point. Like he had some really bad offensive games where, you know, Miami beat the Bucks this year in large part in a similar way to how they beat them in the bubble where they just didn't really care about people besides Giannis shooting the ball and Drew Holiday, you know, he's a much better player than Eric Bledsoe is, but they ran into a similar issue where they just didn't have that sort of elite spacing around Giannis that they needed. Now with Dame here, he's, you know, if Steph Curry didn't exist, we'd say he's the greatest pull-up deep shooter of all time. Uh, so as it stands, he's the second greatest pull-up deep shooter of all time. And it's just going to be an unguardable pick and roll. I tweeted something to this effect, which has gone viral on our Twitter account, by the way. Follow us at Boris Dirk Pod. But the Giannis Dame pick and roll is just going to be totally unguardable. Like, you can't guard it with two players, first of all, which is what all NBA teams try to do in a pick and roll. Because once you start bringing a third guy in or even a fourth guy, if you need to, because Giannis even rampaging against two guys sometimes and get all the way to the rim, but they're not going to be able to guard it with two. You can't just double Dame because Giannis then can just rampage to the rim on a little pat, little pocket pass. You can't blitz Dame. You can't switch it because either of them will toast whoever you switch onto them, whether it's a big on Dame or Giannis against a smaller player. Uh, there's just no answer for it. And you are going to have to bring extra defenders into the equation, which is going to give Brooke Lopez, especially sort of check the breeze threes from the corner. It's going to give Chris Middleton a lot of open looks. Middleton, I think, is going to have sort of a resurgent offensive season because he's going to be A, healthier, hopefully, and B, going against the third defensive option on most nights and attacking scrambling defenses where they've committed three or even four players to paying attention to that Giannis Dame pick and roll. I think it's going to be similar to the Jokic-Murray two-man game where it's just if they can figure out the passing around it and how to punish the, the scrambling defense – I really don't see how you can stop it. And Dame, the issue with him for many years in Portland was teams would just double him off of pick and rolls. And there was no one on the team who could really make that sort of advantage play work for Portland in the way that like Draymond does for Golden State. And then the issue for Giannis, as I said earlier, is just they would send three guys to sort of try to stop him from getting to the rim. And he would either, you know, barrel into them or kick to shooters who wouldn't make the defense pay enough. 
So I think offensively, they're going to be dynamite. It is no doubt a downgrade on defense, but I think if you're going to have weak perimeter defense, the two guys or the sort of front line that you'd want to clean up that mess is Giannis and Brooke Lopez protecting the rim. So I don't see a world where the offense doesn't work. I think this is going to be a top five offense. Uh, The defense could be challenging, but I think, you know, they go from the best defense in the league to, you know, a back of the top 10 defense. I don't think they're going to slip all the way to like average or below average. The Bucks have been itching for a couple of years now since the title to maximize Giannis as the role man. And They've found pockets of brilliance with him and Middleton, their two-man game. They've been making it work. There, has, there hasn't been like a truly ideal pairing for him. Uh, and, and what we saw during their title run is that like Giannis, the role man, is the most dangerous Giannis. When he's catching the ball on the move with angles to the rim, like he's truly unguardable. The only time Giannis ever looks remotely human is when he has he catches the ball at a standstill and has to create something with his own dribble time and time again. And yeah. like Dame, Dame is just a natural at 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 like attracting enough attention and str- and putting enough stress on the defense to get his teammates ball like a good ball on the move. And so I feel like we're just gonna see a ton of Giannis downhill action this year. Um I I think Dame's weaknesses are Giannis's strengths and Giannis's weaknesses are Dame's strengths. For for years now, Dame has been needing just a little bit more from Yusuf Nurkic. And so Dame Dame has needed this 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 presence of verticality. He's like he hasn't had a true lob threat. I think we like Dame is a better passer than he even gets credit for. He's just had to do a lot of me first scoring on a much less talented team so uh yeah I I, I'm excited because I feel like for for Drew's IQ as a defender there have been a lot of offensive moments for Drew in in the in the playoffs the last couple of years where I've like I've gotten annoyed with him I've been like why why are you taking that why are you taking that shot that should be Chris's shot at the very least but probably the ball should be in Giannis's hands like I th- Dame just gives them a two-year window now to like to do something really special, and that's all that they should be worried about. And I think it's pretty cool that the front office went all in on their guy. Yeah, I mean, thinking of that like two-man action, I'm thinking of the Steph Draymond pick and roll. But if Draymond could go dunk on anyone in the league after catching yeah. it, and that sort of four-on-three situation, and yeah, I mean, Dame is older. What he's 33, 34, but he just did have the best individual statistical season of his career. Uh, NBA University tweeted this out a couple months ago and retweeted it, but he had, they put together the highest points per game against top 10 defenses last season. Dame was first. So he had the most scoring against top 10 defense. Also of all those 10 guys had the highest efficiency at 67% true shooting. Uh, Giannis was third on that list. So having those two guys on the same team is going to be just absolutely dynamite. So if we're thinking about how it would not work, if, you know, just to do that thought exercise, I don't see a world where the offense doesn't work. I think the offense is going to be dynamite no matter what. If the defense could be a challenge, if Brooke takes a step back because he is older and a couple years removed from a back surgery. And if Dame, you know, if he 
really just can't even execute the the task of chasing ball handlers over screens and funneling them to Giannis and Brooke, and the defense takes an even bigger step back than I imagine, then that could be an issue. Uh, Giannis is going to have to do a lot more of taking on those primary perimeter assignments on a nightly basis, which he's expressed openness to do. Budenholzer never had him do it. He wanted him in help. The new coach, probably since Giannis helped pick him, is going to have him do that more. So he's going to be on Tatum. He's going to be on Jimmy Butler, all those yeah. guys. Um, unless Jake Crowder has a resurgence, which seems unlikely based on how he played last year, if he can unmummify, but you never know. Um, yeah, and I mean, just thinking about matchups in the East, I think they match up better with Miami now because they have a more varied offensive attack, and I don't think Miami's going to – can necessarily take advantage of them offensively in the same way. And, you know, Drew was a great defender to try to throw at Jimmy, but Jimmy absolutely torched him last year. So if you're getting that inconsistent offense, plus you're not really doing anything to slow Jimmy down on defense, like Dame is obviously an upgrade over that. And to, to your, to your point about uh, this, this may be resemble now resembling the Murray Jokic two man game. The Nuggets, their formula last year was to be like a top five offense. And then they were like a fifth. They, I think they were middle of the pack on defense. If I remember mm. correctly, they were like 15th in defensive rating. Um, and maybe that's what's going to happen here. And may, maybe the Bucks recede to more middle of the pack defensively. But to your point, they now have after Steph, maybe the, the best uh, pressure release valve in the league. I think that we're done with the, like the Milwaukee playoff offensive scary hours where it's like, why are things stale? And Chris Middleton isn't quite himself anymore. And Giannis can't create off the dribble because the other team has a couple bodies that can at least absorb some of his hits. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like Horford and, and Bam Adebayo that never fully contain Giannis, but just like do enough that, uh, it feels like, you know, the Bucks offense goes stale and they don't have a straw to stir the drink. Like now they have one of the best glass straws that you're going to find in, in this land of fine dining. And yeah, I, I think if Giannis is the defender that he we believe him to be, that he has been for a few years now. And if and if Brooke doesn't get washed really quickly, I feel like they have enough just like the Nuggets have enough with Aaron Gordon. And last year it was Bruce Brown. And um, I'm trying to, who are their marquee defenders? Like those two guys, KCP, KCP, like you just, you just, you just surround your, your finesse superstar with enough athleticism, enough rangy defenders. And I, I feel like the Bucks will be able to do that. There's, there can be another addition at the deadline, I don't know what's going on with Jake Crowder. I feel like every time I've written him off, he's reemerged as like an important playoff guy. Maybe mm-hmm. he has another act. Uh, he was weirdly silent for them last year. Um, I don't know where like the the Jake Crowder like fourth quarter barrage of threes was. He usually has one of those mm-hmm. uh, to go for himself in a playoff run. But yeah, and I think I just I I really really respect Milwaukee for saying two bad years is too many. And the 2021 title was recent, but not recent enough. I agree. I think they're the favorite. I think Giannis is about to have the most efficient season possibly of his career, but certainly, uh, I mean, last year he took a big step back efficiency-wise where he had to take on a huge offensive burden. I think he's going to score so much. He's going to score a lot more easily and is going to be freed up to be just an absolute havoc wrecker on defense. Dame now 
He's 33. He gets to play into his mid-30s, firmly the second best player on his team. He even has the freedom if if age hits him really hard, which I don't expect him to. Like I based on what we've seen from Steph, like I think Dame's gonna be elite for a couple more years, but he could be the third best player on this team and they could and they could still be the best team in the league. Forget the East. Um yeah. no one's scared of the Celtics. The Celtics will always it seems like for the next decade, the Celtics will be one of the most talented teams in the league, but like emotionally who the hell is scared of them everyone the Knicks think that they're beating the Celtics in a seven game series and I, I don't blame them we've seen the Celtics have been humbled on on national tv now mm-hmm. too many times um you know the the heat the heat were a crazy outcome last year and like you know I trust I trust the heat DNA against anyone in a series but like I'm not predicting the heat to get out of the east like they have a lot to show us again I Joel Embiid has a lot of answers a lot of questions to answer for us uh, it's really we're we're gonna get into player rankings soon, but like after like these top three European superstars, I don't even know how to rank guys anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like we went. It feels like we went from having fifteen top seven players to like four top seven players. But yeah, uh, yeah, the the league is in a fun, wild, wild spot right now. Yeah, Boston's the wild card, just depending on how you know this Drew situation shakes out, which we'll get to. Although I don't necessarily think they'll trade for him, but. The Drew situation, whatever they do with Brogdon, I do think, you know, Milwaukee still is probably going to struggle to match up with their wings, but they're going to struggle to match up with Giannis and Dame. And when it gets into clutch situations, I'm going to trust Dame over the two Jays just because I've seen it more with Dame. We both love it for Milwaukee. Let's get to, I mean, if you want to touch on Phoenix real quick, we can. I don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, um, I mean, what the fuck is Phoenix doing? Um, <laughs> I don't I, I don't get it. Were they watching Yusuf Nurkic the last couple of years? Like that was the part of the trade that made no sense to me because obviously the news breaks. I see the Woj bomb. I'm just thinking about the Blazers angle. And then like after like an hour, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, there's a third team in this. There's a reason we were able to get that DeAndre Ayton guy. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't understand it. Uh, someone in the Suns organization must see in Nasir Little what I've seen in Nasir Little since we drafted him because it just doesn't quite add up. Keon Johnson, um, in basketball terms, is a zero. Like, it, it, he couldn't even play for us. So, yeah, I don't know. I Nasir Little, I think, has the potential to be a really nice piece for them. Um, but Nasir Little isn't the difference between Nurkic and DeAndre Ayton. And I think people who just look at Nurkic's raw stats the last couple of years will will think that he's closer to Ayton than he is. Um, there's a huge gap between those two guys. I think Ayton is so much better defensively. Um, and also Ayton has the ceiling to still be great at like 23, whatever he is. Um, yeah. So it makes it makes no sense to me. It just makes me think, God, that relationship between organization and player must have been really, really shitty. Um, it scares me a little bit that DeAndre Ayton, every time he's paparazzied on his way to games, he's like holding a PS5 and and talking to an OnlyFans model. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like he's still way more valuable than Nurkic, uh, unless there's some bombshell piece of information that the Suns know that we don't. Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny because it, it seems like Phoenix fans were ecstatic to get off of Aiton and Portland fans and most of the NBA community was just like, have you seen Yusuf Nurkic play recently? And also he just doesn't play, like he barely makes it through seasons. So the idea that you're going to rely on him to be your starting five man and 
make it through the regular season and then through a playoffs where you're probably going to have to go through Nikola Jokic and that two-man game with Jamal Murray. Don't understand it at all. They got Grayson Allen, who we've repeatedly seen playing off yeah. the floor and, yeah. and just sort of struggle to match up against bigger wings. So, you know, that team's still going to be really good with Beal Booker and Durant, but I think both you and I are a little lower on them compared to consensus. And, you know, that it's, it's a strange team and – they certainly didn't address their needs in terms of, you know, rim defense and things like that with, with adding Yusuf Nurkic and these other players. So, yeah, but I think let's get to the Portland return. Uh, we talked about Aiden and Drew. We'll do some Drew fake trades. I know the people also probably want to know just how you're doing emotionally now that the Dame saga is over. You know, is it is it what you wanted out of it at the end? Where are I've you been at doing, there? I've, I've been I've been doing a lot of anger management, not my own anger, anger of my fellow Blazers fans. Yeah, um, because a lot of people in my family and my extended Blazers family, their first thought was like, "Fuck Dame," like just like they push him away, deny, deny, push him away. It's his fault. And I've said this time and again on this podcast, like I don't think Dame did anything wrong. He should act in his best interest. He's not an evil because of what his agent is saying to try to get him in the best situation. Uh, the Blazers fucked him by telling him for months and months that this that that number three draft pick would be used to make the team better so that we could win with him. And then when it turned out to be Scoot, who would be number one in a lot of drafts, they said they had to keep him because they couldn't. There's there's no there's no good trade uh, when you can just draft Scoot Henderson, yeah. um, and so at that point it made sense for 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 player and franchise to part ways. Now, I and I also hate the way that the that we've kind of done this PR thing of trying to put the blame on Dame, like he asked out when the organization put all the pressure on Dame to to be the one to say it's time so that they could t- then tell the press it wasn't their idea. Yep. There's now some buzz that Dame said last second to Joe Cronin, I will come back if we can't find the right deal. And Joe said a couple weeks ago to Dame, I'm sorry, actually, we can't do that. Like it's <laughs> too far gone. That is what Blazers fans should be angry about. Because if Dame, if 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 kind of the the emotions died down, and Dame said in a room to our front office that he would come back and we didn't give that a real a real consideration, then shame on us. I'm a Bucks fan. Um I'm I'm really sad. Uh I was it kind of hurt me that Dame used <laughs> used it as an opportunity to promote his music, even though <laughs> the verse that he, even though the verse he wrote was was uh, directed at Blazers fans. <laughs> It was still rough, um, but then he also did the letter. I haven't even read his goodbye letter. I started reading it, and I just, like, I, I got a knot in my throat, and I couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm i excited to watch him with Giannis. Um, I'm excited to see what's next for the Blazers. It's been, I've been grieving this for months, it feels like now. So, um Yeah. It, 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 I think, I think, see, when I, when I see these videos surf, inevitably surface on Twitter of him like talking to Bucks fans at Fiserv, I think that's going to hurt more even than seeing him on opening night in a Bucks jersey. Um, because I feel like the basketball side has been so strained the last couple of years. It's really been like the fan player relationship that, that has stayed special. Yeah. Um, watching Dame has been painful as because like 
he's been so good the last couple of years on a team that just doesn't deserve him. Um, and I'm glad he's going somewhere where he'll be, he'll be better supported on the floor and he can age gracefully. Um, yeah, I love Dame. And I, I do believe he's the best. He's the best blazer of my lifetime. Uh, I give him the edge over Aldridge for a couple of the playoff memories. Um, yeah. And I just didn't grow up with Clyde or Walton. So he's he's my goat forever. All right. Do you want to do do you want to talk about what the Blazers got? Or, or do you want to go, go right into potential Drew Holiday trades since it's become pretty clear that Drew Holiday is on his way to another team? All right. So uh, you're going to be Joe Cronin. And I'm going to be the GM. I mean, I'm, I'm bald, but I'm not an idiot. So how are we going to do this? Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go. Okay. So uh, first trade, Sam Presti here. Uh, we think our team is a top four seed and adding Drew Holiday and can really put us into conference finals contention. And we would like to offer you Lou Dort and the Davis Burton's contract along with the Houston Rockets pick this year, which is top four protected. So best it could be his fifth, but there's a good chance of that. And the Clippers first round pick in 2026, completely unprotected. How do you like that offer? I love that offer. <laughs> I, I love that offer. I think that for some reason, I feel like there's been a narrative swirling around that like Lou Dort gets paid too much. Like, because it was a hefty number when he signed that contract a couple of years ago. But um, he's, I guess, he's he's locked up on 17, 18 mil a year until the end of 26, 27. And, like, I think that's a really good number for what he offers you on defense. He's still young. Uh, how old is he? He's 24 and a half. And uh, I think he's going to get better and better as a shooter. And... Yeah, if it's just a foregone conclusion that you that we're not holding on to Drew, which I I think we shouldn't. He doesn't make sense with our core timeline. Lou Dort is one of the first guys on my list, and the unprotected pick is juicy. I I like it a lot. Um, All right. If R if is R J Barrett going to be involved in this in, uh, in Leon <laughs> Leon's hold, uh, on hold. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my point is this: I would I would do that. If that were the only offer, I would take it. Maybe you're about to drop something on me that I like a little more. So would you prefer the Rockets pick this year and the Clippers 2026 first or Case and Wallace? Case and Wallace. All right. I well, that's another that, offer is Case and Wallace, Lou Dort, and Bertans. Yeah, I would I would much rather have Case and Wallace because uh, I, I just don't know anything yet about one next year's draft. And I'm just, you know, I'm a big Case and guy and I really... I really like the scoot case and fit. I, I like I like dropping case in in our flashy offense first core of Shaden and Scoot. I think like putting putting a defense first guy who doesn't need to dribble is exactly what we need. Yeah, Scoot and Kaysen could build an elite young player culture. Uh all right. You mentioned Leon, he's on hold. Uh hey Joe. You know, we'd love to bring Drew to the Knicks. Uh, I've got Tom here here waiting as well. He's salivating over the idea of Drew Holiday in his defense. And we're willing to offer you R.J. Barrett, uh, the ghost of Evan Fournier, and the Bucks' first-round pick in 2025. What? How do you feel about R.J. Barrett's defense? He's 
passable, but he's, is this, okay, I'm out of Leon character now. He's passable, but yeah. if you're tasking him with throwing him at the best perimeter option on the other team, you're going to be disappointed. Like he's someone yeah. who can, who can fit into the team scheme and he's big enough, strong enough uh, that he's not going to be taken advantage of, but he's by no means a stopper. I think I would rather have Dort and I would rather have Dort and Kaysen, um, but I'd love I I'd also accept the RJ like if again if if then if that offer were my only offer I'd put it below the Thunder offer, um, but yeah I'd love to find out who post World Cup RJ is. He showed a lot of stuff. I I think he he was still up and down. Like he he had the counting stats. It's still good old RJ. He'll go you know two for thirteen, and then the next game he can't miss, and he's getting to the line and playing good on ball defense. I I think I like the sure thing effort of Kaysen and Dort, but yeah, the Blazers could unlock some things in RJ that he just hasn't had the space to do in New York. So, speaking as a Knicks fan, uh, if you can get some assurance that Drew's going to resign beyond this player option. I think you do that deal because you're not giving up any of your own first round picks. So you have all of that as ammo to make in another star trade, whether it's, you know, the, the rumored Embiid one, uh, Mitchell would be off the table if you already have Brunson and Drew, but Embiid or whoever comes available. If you've got Br- Drew's a perfect backcourt compliment to Jalen Brunson. And, you know, if you're giving up RJ and, you know, a Bucks first, without giving up any of your own picks, I think you're setting yourself up to really build a contender around Brunson, Drew, and then trading for that next piece to sort of really make that, you know, star trio. You know, Randall's there too. The Randall-Drew offensive experience might actually be a little uncomfortable, but I just think he'd fit perfectly in sort of in New York. Uh, But it's unclear whether the Knicks are going to you know, how much they're going to put forward. And it's also unclear how much the Blazers front office values RJ. Cause if they don't value RJ that much, they might ask for a pick or two of the Knicks. In that case, I wouldn't do it. But if you're giving up RJ and the bucks first, I would hundred percent do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that the Knicks should do it without a pick just because there's been so much, so, so much franchise infrastructure has been devoted to RJ Barrett's growth. And like, I think he loves, I think he loves to be a Nick. And I think that he's gotten incrementally better. Um, and I'm not sure if I were you guys that I'd want to do that. I just, I agree with you that the Brunson Drew thing sounds awesome. It's just Drew is 34 and RJ is what, 23? Um, yeah, like and, and, and still getting better. So I, I I think it's a little early for you, for the next to do that. But I mean, again, the East feels wide open. It's really only the Bucks, I'd say, are certainly better than you if you get Drew Holiday. If you swap yeah. RJ for Drew. All right. Uh, hey, Joe. Mike Dunleavy on the phone here. Uh, replaced Bob Myers with Golden State, if you hadn't heard. And we just traded for Chris Paul, and we really love him, but we love Drew more, and we think he fits better with our system. So we're willing to offer you Chris Paul, Jonathan Kaminga, and our first-round picks in 2025 – and 2027 let's put top five protection on that 2027 pick because who knows what's happening then do you like that yes i do huck i but i i feel so dumb if i took if i just fell for the kuminga upside and didn't take dort and Kaysen. so i'm sticking with dort and Kaysen. 
but I would also accept that. Um, I bet that was my first thought when we got Drew and and I realized that Drew was heading somewhere else is like, let's get, let's take Chris Paul, Chris Paul, you get to mentor scoot, do, do what you did for the thunder with SGA. Um, and we're going to get a really good young player next to Chris Paul. Um, Kuminga, I don't even know what to think of Kuminga anymore because he doesn't get enough minutes, I feel like, to really like see what he's got in the tank. But 6'9", super athlete who has played awesome defense in spurts and can dunk everything in transition, he's going to love play next to Shaden and Scoot. I, that's, an, that's another really good one. All right, I'm on fire with these. I haven't missed on one yet. So coming up next, hey, Joe, um, it's Pat uh, Riley. I know uh, I hate you. But we do love Drew. So what do you say? Lowry, Jovich, Caleb Martin, and two <laughs> top five. I hung up. I hung up. I hung up. I hung up. There's nothing, there's nothing for them to give us. Um, because they're not, they're not, I mean, maybe Jaime Hawkes. I don't think I like Jaime Hawkes enough com- uh, compared to the guys that you've already offered me for Drew. So I think Miami doesn't have the right guys. Yeah. All no, right. No hard, no hard feelings though. <laughs> okay. I've got actually this one. I mean, this one's just for, this would never happen in real life, but just for you, Drew, uh, Jeff Weltman on the line from Orlando. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> <we're>... Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, Jonathan Isaac, some filler. And uh, that's it. Maybe yeah, the first next year. That's where like I can't be an NBA GM because <laughs> I'm making Jalen Suggs a blazer and the fan base is 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 burning pictures of me in the town square. Uh, <laughs> but uh yes, yeah, okay, to go back to the Knicks real quick, because you mentioned Drew as a Nick. What about Aiton as a Nick? Because I I was just talking to a Knicks fan a couple days ago who is way too optimistic about rehabilitating julius randall's image um mm. i think if i were the knicks and i wanted to be good this year like i'd be trying to get off julius randall because yeah. i think uh in the most important moments he tends to wilt and um that emotional inconsistency is just it takes a toll on a locker room and you pay him a lot of money and so send his big contract somewhere he where uh the salary cap is less of a concern um, would you do some sort of Randall for eight and concoction where basically you're attaching a couple picks and maybe a couple Deuce McBride type guys? We'd be attaching picks. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're getting a way better player. Uh, well, spoiler alert, neither are in my top 60, which is coming up. Uh, I don't think I would do it with picks. But I don't know. By the way, you want to talk about holiday Brunson mix? I think a Brunson Aiden mix makes a lot of sense too. Maybe it's a lot of ten footers. Um, yeah, that's true. I I don't know. I worry. First of all, it's okay though because like Brunson is your whole post game, you know, and <laughs> Aiden can be your two guard. <laughs> yeah. We shout out NBA University earlier. They posted another thing, which was like most shots in the like six to ten foot range, and Aiden yeah. was was way up there. And I was like, he 
for someone as athletic as him, there's no way he should be shooting that many of those. Yeah, and and all the other guys on that list take way more shots than him too. So it's like, holy shit. It's like everything he takes is in that no man's land. Yeah, um, I'm not super enthusiastic about that as a Knicks fan. I kind of feel like if you're going to have a highly paid center on your roster, he has yeah. to be like an all NBA level player. And I am not confident that Aiton can get to that level. I mean, I think he has it in him, but I like physically, but I'm just not sure mentally. Um, Beverly so, said he's going to cook in Portland. Yeah, but from, from a team building perspective, I think it lowers the regular season ceiling to replace Randall with Aiton. Um, and I'm not sure it raises the playoff ceiling all that much. Sure, it's like a good flyer on a young player, but no, I don't have that much interest in that. Fine, fine. We'll keep Aiton. We'll turn Aiton into a six-time All-Star. Sure. All right. Uh, I've got a couple more. Uh, David Griffin on the line here from New Orleans. Uh, would you be interested in bringing CJ McCollum back to Portland? You know, I know the fan base probably oh, is, God. Is, is mourning uh, a dame being traded away, but, you know, hey, you hey, can David, give them. Hey, David, just cut the shit and tell me who you're offering to our team. Uh, Dyson Daniels and our first this year. Oh, my God. Dyson. Wow. Um, Ooh, that's hard. That's hard because I think Dyson might be really special. Ugh, I would have to do the. I think Dort and Kaysen is still a, a little bit juicier to me, but I'm giving that one a a long look. All right, yeah. Um, I like C- I like Dyson more than RJ. I'll put it that way. Okay, and CJ McCollum obviously would be the salary filler there. But uh, from the yeah, New Orleans CJ perspective, means, CJ means nothing to me. Uh, and you know, like thinking about the trade, it would be great to have his leadership in the locker room. But we'll probably try to reroute him somewhere else. Yeah, um, yeah, that one. It would just depend on their valuing of of Dyson Daniels. I mean, I could have written infinite different permutations of this New Orleans trade, where it's like CJ plus you know, two picks, you like a Lakers pick and a New Orleans pick, two New Orleans picks, two Lakers picks, Milwaukee picks, like whatever sort of picks Portland wanted. Um, New Orleans has the assets to get that done. I think if you brought Drew back in there, it'd kind of be a funny full circle thing. Cause you know, that he was obviously there before Milwaukee, where if you're trotting out Drew, Trey Murphy, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and Jonas Valanciunas, I think that's a really good team. Of course, Zion is the key if there, but He's certainly an upgrade over CJ McCollum for them, although would probably still compound some of their spacing issues, but be an interesting one for New Orleans. I don't know if they'd necessarily do it. Some of the noise so far has been that they're not among the teams that's interested, but uh, yeah, I've got one more, which is the team, which has probably been brought up the most, which is the Clippers. So Lawrence Frank on the line here. I've been receiving calls from uh, both Boston and Philly to try to make this a three-team deal when they had some intriguing packages for me, whether it was getting Harden or getting Brogdon and Robert Williams. But then I thought, why don't I just get Drew Holiday myself and just send the package to you that I would be sending anyways. So get ready because this is a real poo-poo platter. It's oh no. It's Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, Kobe Brown, our first round pick this year. Ooh. And our the only first round pick we have available to trade, which I believe is in either 2027 or 2029. I've checked with my uh, underlings in the front office about that. What say you? Yeah, I think I think it's a no for me, dog. 
I think there have been some we've been getting some pretty awesome calls this this week. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) actually, I went into this process thinking that Terrence Mann and Kobe Brown would be more than enough for a year for maybe only a year of Drew Holiday. But you'd be shocked. We got a lot of suitors. So um, I'll call you when I manage to fuck this up by waiting too long to make a decision. Yeah. Because my yeah. name is Joe Cronin, and I don't fucking know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I came to the Clippers because, you know, Boston and Philly were both sort of bandied about as destinations for him. But when I was looking at, like, in all those situations, you'd kind of need someone like the Clippers as a third team. And I understand why the Clippers wouldn't just want to try to get Drew Holiday themselves as opposed to ending up with Harden, who I think at this point is a clearly worse player sure, yeah. than Drew Holiday, or, you know, ending up with Brogdon and Robert Williams or something like that. Um, so yeah, we'll see how much of a market actually develops. I don't know if OKC would really go for an all-in move like that, or, I mean, it's not an all-in move, but it's, you know, a, a something in move. Um, or if they yeah. just want to chill with, you know, Shea, Giddy, Jalen Williams, Chad Holmgren, and, and just sort of trot out that lineup this year and see how good they can be without making any big moves. But I think that OKC package is good and realistic. I think the Knicks package is certainly very realistic. There's been a lot of noise from Zach Lowe, Ian Begley, all sorts of uh, Brian Windhorst, all sorts of insiders that the Knicks are really sniffing around here. But but as a, as a Knicks fan, do you agree that it's just a little bit early to to mortgage your future for for what could only be a year of Drew? I think it depends. If the price is basically just RJ, um, I would be okay doing that. Once we yeah. start getting into RJ and our picks or like Grimes and quickly and yeah. you know, all these different players. Uh, but, then... but then you, but then you get into the conversation of like, I love Quentin Grimes, but like, is he the difference? Is he really going to, is he really the, what makes it a yes or no for you? He was for Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's been a while since I watched Quentin Grimes, so I, I forget I, I forget exactly where I'm at with him. But uh, yeah, he's a good piece. I think he's better than any of these like faux three and D guys the Suns have filled their roster with. So oh, certainly that's saying something. Um, okay, let's. That's all your offers. You you really you really killed it with the with the phone calls. Um, Those are all my offers. I'm. I just want to talk now briefly about the Blazers. Um, because all all the talk has been. That Drew Holiday is on his way is on his way somewhere else, but uh, I've been thinking a lot about DeAndre. Ayton. He's kind of the most interesting piece of this trade to me because I don't think anyone really knows how to feel about him at this juncture. I think they, I, th- I think we should keep him, even though I've been looking at a lot of fake trades. I think we should keep Aiden because I believe his trade value will be greater mid-season or after this season than it is today because now as a blazer he has an opportunity to average 20 and 10 and showcase all of the traits that got him picked number one um he's entering the jordan pool vortex of like guy moves from contender to rebuilding team and his stats are going to go like off the page yeah so you know now he gets to have his like magic vucevic period where we might start to think he's better than he is um I hope that he defends. I hope he doesn't just feel like his whole role now is to get like 25 and nine and then his defense takes a back seat um, on his list of priorities. But 
Yeah, I, I think that e even though I'm worried about Aiden, because the whole rap with him is that he's uber talented, but maybe doesn't quite care enough about winning um, and maybe cares more about only fan models and video games than um, <laughs> becoming the best big man in the NBA. Um, that scares the shit out of me. But I think, yeah, I just think now he has the room to get counting stats that will make him a, a good a really good trade asset in time uh i don't know what he fetches us right now but i believe that he's gonna look a lot better in a year um and i'm excited but i i think it's just like there there isn't anyone right now in the nba community who knows exactly where deandre Ayton falls on their list of like top 50 guys you said he's not in your 60 right he's not in my 60 now was he in it last year I believe he was. Yes. I think I had him in between 40 and 50 in that kind of like elite role players tier. Um, this year I did my center rankings and he came in uh, about 14 on my, on my big rankings, not centers, but bigs um, yeah. behind guys like uh, Towns, certainly behind guys like Miles Turner and Brooke Lopez, who I had in my top 60 this year, um, behind guys like Towns, uh, Randall, which I know you probably don't agree on, Evan Mobley, but ahead of Rudy Gobert and Robert Williams, which, you know, maybe we'll see. They're kind of in the, I think, in a similar tiers. There's a lot of good bigs in the league right now, but. Is, is he the most valuable trade asset that we've gotten? In other words, is he a more valuable trade asset than Drew? Because he has three years left on his contract at 30, 32, 35, and Drew has a player option next year. If I was a GM, I would trade more for Drew Holiday than I would for DeAndre Ayton. And I think that's probably, like they said, the starting price for Drew Holiday is two first-round picks, and I think they have a good chance of getting that. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily think they have a good chance of getting two first-round picks for Ayton. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right but that's well, just where his value is right now his value might go up because you know him and this has been the boris Gerd podcast and uh <laughs> no 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 i i i think i agree with i i agree with you that that's the league-wide perception i just i'm not sure that i hold that opinion i i think like it's just the upside with Aiton is interesting i think that um for every team that's trying to win now i agree with you but i think um for the for upstart teams, uh, for teams like more in the middle, like your like Pacers, your uh, I mean, even maybe even the Knicks who like are trying to build something sustainable. Like Aiden has three years left, and isn't with the cap going up, he's not an outrageous contract. It's going to be thirty five in three years, and it seems like his relationship with the Suns had really soured and we might be seeing a new man. If And and I, I was saying people can change. Don't underestimate the neuroplasticity of a 23 year old who hasn't had the room to showcase his very rare talents. So yeah. I don't know. I'm a little surprised that three years of Aiden has still ended up seeming like a lesser trade asset than one year, potentially one year of Drew Holiday. I'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, and I guess most teams trading for Drew Holiday, except maybe like, and would probably do it, would need the assurance that he'd resign there before doing the trade. Um, but yeah, I think with Aiden, the thing is just it's, it's not clear whether it's a positive contract yet or not. Um, 
and 30 million is a lot to pay to someone who I have as like, you know, an average big. And he's, if we did this exercise after the 2021 playoffs, you know, he probably would have been in my top five to seven bigs in the league, but because at his best, he's switchable. We saw that he, you know, did it in that playoff run, did a decent job guarding Jokic, at least as good of, as one can do. And this playoffs, that certainly wasn't the case. I mean, their sons look better with Jock Landall on the court than they did with him. But yeah, maybe he did just need a change of scenery. And maybe, you know, you don't want your 19-year-old to be mentoring your 23-year-old necessarily, but hopefully Scoot Henderson's sort of like insane work ethic and determination can can rub off on Aiton a little bit. And I think it's a good spot for him. And I feel the same way about Jordan Poole over in Washington, but a good spot for him to just sort of try to see like what he can do with his game and sort of have the freedom to make mistakes a little bit, hopefully that don't turn into bad habits. Cause it could be either the best thing or the worst thing that ever happened to him. If he just totally embodies like stat chasing, no winning impact, yeah. or if he sort of uses the time to, you know, expand on his game and sort of showcase different things he can do. Yeah. It feels like Portland's like handing him the power of the ring now and it's just in his hands. Like, yeah, <laughs> because uh, the Sun Phoenix was always interested in seeing how good he could be accepting a, a specific role, a limited role. And now the Blazers are going to give him a chance to just see, like, how good can you be, period? Like, yeah. can you average 24 and 10 for a full season? We're about to find out. In conclusion, it just looks like what we end up eight and plus what we get for Drew will have been better than anything that Miami was willing to part with. Um, Jaime and even, even if Miami offered all the picks they could, which it didn't sound like they were ever going to do. Um, Jaime plus those picks is, is not as great a haul as eight and plus the nice stuff we're going to get for Drew. And uh, it's, it sucks. It sucks that we made this trade the year after the, the Timberwolves gave away everything for Rudy Gobert because, you know, there was this sort of superstar star, what I don't want to call Gobert a superstar, but a star trade bubble that popped when the Wolves made that crazy ass deal. Um, and the Blazers were bound to uh, suffer in a, in a smarter market. When, when Dame requested this trade, I put requested in air quotes because fuck you, Mick Joe Cronin. But uh, I almost said Mick Cronin, but <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it was never going to be the haul that Blazers fans dreamed of because we saw the Paul George trade, the AD trade, even even the DeJounte trade, everything that the that the Spurs got for him. Uh, so it's it's underwhelming in, in light of those recent deals. Um, but this is just what the market was. And uh, based on what Miami was offering, we we probably did pretty well. Yeah, I think it's going to end up being something like Aiton, the first and two swaps from Milwaukee, and then yeah. something for Drew Holiday that about equates to two firsts. So if you have Aiton, three firsts and two swaps, that's a solid return. And those pick swaps, man. We haven't talked about the swaps, but uh, if everything goes wrong in Milwaukee, those swaps could be could be interesting. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with some more season preview content. We've got a league pass draft coming up as well as my top 60 list. So see you all soon.